All right. Uh, Join me in our scripture reading today um, from Luke chapter 10, verse 38 through 42. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. It's good to be with you all this morning. Uh, it's nice to get out of Austin every now and then. It's, it's just a, a sweet time uh, to do so. Uh, as, I was, as we were driving in this morning uh, from the hotel, my phone buzzed, and uh, as it does every Sunday morning, I got an update of how much screen time I had consumed this week, and uh, by God's grace, it was lower than usual, and so I'm thanking him for that. Um, but my guess is, is your phone does something very similar. My guess is your phone does update you if you haven't turned this ability off on how much screen time you have consumed this week. Sometimes they even have it where they can break down what you've spent your screen time on, which apps you've been most frequenting and uh, how much time you've spent on them throughout the the week, throughout the days. Uh, And my guess is most of us, if you're like me, would be uh, slow to share those stats with people. Uh, It's just not in our nature to say, look how much I've been on my phone over the last seven days. But I also wonder how many of us on Sunday morning would come in here, open our Bibles, and if it popped up with how much word time you've consumed that week, would be eager to share those stats with people too. If you're anything like me, you all too often are reminded, I have not been in the word as much as I need to be. I think we can all say we're never in it as much as we need to be. We need the word of God. It's essential for our Christian life. See, we live in a world where it's all too easy to be distracted and pulled away from the word of God. We have so many voices speaking into us, whether it be from news sites or social media or your job or friends uh, or maybe even family members, constantly trying to draw your attention to something else, constantly trying to tell you this is where the truth is going to come from. This is where your hope lies. Look over here. But we always need to be reminded that truth comes solely from the word of God. And we need to spend more time in the word of God. Now, this is a sermon about being in the word of God more. But in a minute, we'll get to that's not just the answer of leave here and just make sure you get more time in your Bible this week. That's not the solution. And we'll see that from our text this morning. We have to see that even good and honorable tasks can distract us from Jesus himself. We can all too often begin to bank on our service to God instead of actually being with God. And we see this in our text this morning from Luke chapter 10. We get a very familiar story to most people if you've grown up in the church uh, about Mary and Martha who are part of a family who Jesus is close friends with. We read about them numerous times in the gospels of Jesus visiting this home. Uh, He's close friends with the family. And in our text, Jesus arrives and begins to teach. And though we're only looking at five verses this morning, we're given a very clear picture of the necessity of the words of Jesus in the life of his his disciples of that day and of 
to this day. I have one encouragement for us this morning. One point, one encouragement. Christian, sit at the feet of Jesus because what he has to say is good. Sit at the feet of Jesus because what he has to say is good. Before I jump into our text, let's pray one more time. Father, I do pray that you would be with me this morning as I open your word. I feel ill-equipped to do so as just in and of myself, and so I pray that you would fill me with your spirit, that you would speak to your people from your word this morning. We pray that Christ would be exalted. We pray that he would be treasured by your people. And we pray that we would leave here challenged, convicted, encouraged, and even rebuked if we need it. And we ask that all of this comes from your word, not from me, not from anyone else, but that you speaking through your word would do these things. And we ask this in Christ's name, amen. To find somebody sitting at the feet of Jesus is to find somebody who is eager and excited about hearing what he has to say. It's to find a follower of his ready to just grasp onto every word he is about to speak. And Mary in our text is doing this very thing. Look at verse 39 again. Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to him, to his teaching. So Mary, we see, jumps to the front row, sitting, listening to Jesus. But we can't forget how Martha is introduced to us in the text. We tend to overlook this portion of the story if you know the story in the past. Look at how Martha is introduced in the text in verse 38. Martha welcomed Jesus into the home. So normally we think of this as just Martha's all bad, Mary's all good, but Luke makes a point to make it very clear Martha is actually the one who has greeted Jesus and welcomed him into the home. This is important because it adds clarity of how to understand what's actually taking place in this story. It's not about one sister who loves Jesus and another one who despises him. It's not about one sister who just treasures Jesus and is a follower of, her, of his and another sister who has just yet to believe his words and is yet to repent and follow after him in faith. It's not about one sister who recognizes who Jesus is and another sister who is completely oblivious to it. Both sisters in this story are disciples of Jesus Christ. Both sisters love Jesus. Mary expresses this love for Jesus by jumping to the front row to sit down and hear his, her Savior teach. Martha loves her Savior by seeking to serve him and those who have come with him. And we know that there's a group who has come with him. We can't forget that just because Luke only identifies three specific individuals in these five verses, that doesn't mean they're the only three individuals there. In fact, in the Gospels, the writers usually give some sort of indication as to the smaller amount of people if there are a smaller amount, meaning it will say something like Jesus by himself went or Jesus, James, and John went or Jesus and Simon Peter together went. There's usually some sort of indication that, okay, only a few number of people are going here. But our text opens up with this group has now come into the village. So we don't know exactly how many people there were. I mean, just a few verses earlier in chapter 10, the 72 disciples whom Jesus had sent out had come back. And so we know that there might have been 72 people coming into Martha's home. There might have just been the 12. There might have been half of the 72 and the 12. We don't know. But what we do know is it wasn't just Jesus. 
And we get this by the fact that Luke says Martha was distracted with much serving. There would be serving, no doubt, if it was just Jesus. But Luke makes a point to say she's distracted with much serving. Much serving. So Martha welcomes Jesus and his group into her home. Jesus sits down, begins to teach. Mary jumps to the front row, starts listening. And Martha, who maybe is standing there hearing the words of Jesus, is standing there looking around and thinking, this is a lot of people. And she starts to feel the pressure of making sure all these people in her home are cared for. And this is where she begins to serve much. She starts making sure there's enough food for everyone. Does everyone have enough water? This must have been a long trip, a long journey. She's making sure the windows and the doors open so there's a breeze coming in. She's probably washing people's feet as was a hospitality back then. In some sense, you would say Martha is actually a model of hospitality. She's actually somebody we would assume Jesus would be commending in the story. And this is where the tension comes in for some of us. We read the text and we think, isn't Martha doing exactly what Jesus would be asking me to do in this situation? You may have things like the words of Jesus saying, be a servant to all, for not even the Son of Man came to be served, but to serve. Or maybe you know Romans 12 pretty well and you think of verse 13, seek to show hospitality. I mean, even if you're reading just Luke, by itself, a few chapters earlier, Jesus rebukes a guy who invites him into his home but doesn't show hospitality well. And so we get to these verses and we hear what Martha's doing and we think, well, what's the problem? Why is there an issue here? If anything, I wish I could be more like Martha. My mind doesn't jump to serving like this. But thankfully, the text answers that question for you. Look back at the text. It starts off by saying, Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet, listened to his teaching. Martha was distracted with much serving. But then later on down in the verses, it says this, Jesus speaking to Martha. Verse 42, but one thing is necessary. And Mary is the one who's chosen the good portion. So we see Jesus saying, Mary is the one who has made the right decision here. Martha was distracted and neglected the one thing in the Christian life that we all need, communing with Jesus by sitting and hearing him speak. It's the one thing that's necessary in the Christian's life. See, Martha felt the perceived need surrounding her. She was feeling the pressure of all the things she thought needed to get done. And those things started dragging her away from what was necessary. She had welcomed Jesus in, but... What she thought were more important tasks, what were more important responsibilities, actually pulled her away from being with Jesus. And this phrase, distracted with much serving, is a scary one for the Christian. We can deceive ourselves into thinking we're actually pleasing the Lord with what we're doing for the Lord. Only to realize that we've just pushed him away in attempts to make our tasks more efficient. It's scary to think that you can get caught up in doing things for God, that you become to think that time with God is an inconvenience or is boring because you don't see the results quickly. 
I mean, think about how can we share the gospel well if we're not seeking to know Jesus better? How are you going to parent well if you've neglected to spend time in the word of God and listen to your heavenly father? How are you going to encourage someone else's soul if you haven't first had your own soul encouraged by the words of Jesus? How will you practice patience and forgiveness well if you're not continually reading about the patience and forgiveness God has shown towards you in your sin? And my fellow pastors in here are those who aspire to the office of elder. One of the greatest blessings a church can have is a group of elders who devote themselves to sitting at the feet of Jesus and hearing what he has to say. Pastors, may your serving the congregation here of Southside not come at the expense of time first, spent first and foremost with the chief shepherd. The best place a church member can find their pastor is sitting at the feet of Jesus and hearing what he has to say and then leading from the overflow. Again, Martha's hospitality is not the problem in these five verses. Her neglect of Jesus is the problem. And I can't be frustrated with Martha in this. If, if you were to get, put me in the story, I would be Martha. I think about our children and, and the birthday parties we throw for them and we, we would invite, you know, our kids are popular or something. We invite so many people over. We don't, we don't know what it is, but we invite so many people over. And I get so caught up with making sure that we have enough food, that the pizza showed up on time, that everybody's got a plate, that, uh, that no kids are getting hurt, that, that there's ice cream, that the cake's been done, that are we doing presents at the right time, did the presents happen, all this kind of stuff. I'm so busy at doing it that when everybody leaves and we're taking a breath, my wife is talking to me and says, man, wasn't it so good to see Brady and his wife here? And I have to think, they were here? They showed up? Because I'm so busy making sure everything's getting done that I don't actually spend quality time with the people who are present. This was Martha. She was so concerned about getting the things done that she says, Jesus, you can wait. Let me take care of all this stuff. Jesus, you'll be there later. But these things need to get taken care of now. She felt the overwhelming weight of needing to serve, needing to get things done. And Jesus' teaching began to get drowned out. Her serving had pulled her away from his presence and into the face of self-righteousness. She was certain that what she was doing was right. She was absolutely certain that Jesus would see what was taking place, rebuke Mary, and praise Martha. And we see this in her statement to Jesus. Look at verse 40. Second half of verse 40. She went up to him. Martha went up to Jesus and said, Lord, do you not care? Do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. You can almost sense the frustration in Martha's voice. She doesn't pull Jesus aside quietly and gently and say, Jesus, here's what's going on. Can, can you give me some insight on, to kind of handle this? She doesn't go up to Mary and pull Mary aside and say, sis, I, I need some help. Look at all these people. No, she, she went up to him. This is implying there was no hesitation in going to Jesus. 
Martha goes up to Jesus and hurls two accusations and then gives one demand. She says, doesn't look like you care, Jesus. Obviously, my sister doesn't care. Now tell her to do something about it. You know from what she's saying, she believes wholeheartedly Jesus is just going to think, Martha, I'm so sorry. I got so caught up in teaching, I did not realize everything you were doing. Thank you. Thank you. Mary, please listen to your sister and go do something. But how does Jesus respond? Look at verse 41. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha. When you get your name repeated, you know you're about to have a very gentle rebuke, but you're going to be rebuked. Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. And Mary's chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Brothers and sisters in Christ, these are good and necessary words that we need to hear this morning from Jesus. See, he exposes the faulty thinking in Martha and in our minds. Martha had the choice to sit at the feet of Jesus right there in her home, hear what he has to say, but instead she chooses to take care of what she thinks is more pressing, what she thinks is more necessary, what she believes to have higher priority. She thought, I I can listen to whatever he has to say later, but who's going to feed these people right now? Her priorities were off. Jesus had a word for his disciples to hear and Mary didn't have time to hear it. What Jesus had to say wasn't nearly as important as what Martha thought had to get done. But what good did it do for Martha? What good did it produce in Martha? She became troubled and filled with anxiety. And you felt this before, haven't you? The longer you go without being in the word of God, the easier it is to become anxious and consumed with worry about everything going on in your life. The easier it is for resentment and bitterness and anger and suspicion to creep in and take over how you view everything and everyone around you. Martha felt alone, and she felt embittered towards Mary. She felt embittered towards Jesus. You see, when you neglect time spent sitting with and listening to Jesus, the needs surrounding you of all the circumstances and everything you think needs to get done are no longer opportunities for you to glorify Christ. Instead, they're means for self-justification. That's what Martha was doing. Jesus Tell her to help me look at everything I'm doing. Obviously, I'm the right one. And we do the same thing. God, don't you see what I'm doing? God, how is this happening? Don't don't you see the way I'm serving you? But have we neglected the one thing that's necessary? Sitting and listening to Jesus. You see, the cares of the moment pulled her away from Jesus and eventually caused her to push against him. She fully believed what she was doing was right in the eyes of Jesus. And when his actions, or you could say inactions, 
didn't match what she believed, she confronted and accused him. You can begin to see how neglecting time with Jesus poisons and corrupts your beliefs about who Jesus is and what he offers. I mean, think about the sad irony in the story. Jesus is sitting there in her living room speaking life-giving words. And in the middle of his teaching, she just walks up and says, do you even care? Jesus, do you even care? And we don't know exactly what Jesus is teaching about, but I'm pretty sure it was something on the kingdom of God. And so the sad irony, Jesus is speaking about life-giving things. This is how you have true eternal life with God. And Martha says, do you, do you even care? Do you care, Jesus? And Jesus wasn't even telling Martha, hey, these things you're doing are bad. Don't, don't ever do those. He was just telling her, they can wait. Those things are not necessary right now. And we face the same choice today. Are we going to sit at the feet of Jesus or are we too busy? When was the last time your alarm went off in the morning and you rushed to Jesus in prayer faster than you rushed to the tasks of the day? When was the last time you couldn't wait to sit down and open the word of God and prayed like the psalmist, open my eyes that I would behold the wondrous things in your word? How often do you talk about your need to spend time in the word the same way you talk about your need for coffee? If you read a chapter of scripture every time you checked your social media account, how quickly could you make it through the entire Bible? And for those of you trying to do the math, I did the math. The average person, if you added up every time they checked their social media during the day, spends about just over two hours on social media, the average person. But if you spent just 30 minutes a day reading scripture, the average person could read the entire Bible in about six months. How much more do we need to be in the word? How much more do we need to be sitting and soaking in what Jesus has to say to us? And I just want to make a quick side note. Don't neglect time in the word and prayer thinking you'll make up for it by podcasting sermons or reading good theology books or hearing good, reading good articles or hearing good talks about theology. That would be similar to me saying, look guys, I never spend time with my kids, but I always get a nightly update from my wife on what they're doing and how they're doing. <laughs> That's not the way I'm going to treat my kids. So that should not be the way you treat God. Take up the word and read. And then take time to talk to your elder brother, Jesus. He's wanting to hear from you. Jesus makes it clear to Martha and to us that there are, there are many things that are going to cause you to be anxious and troubled because there are many things that need to get done during the day. But he also makes it clear that there's one thing that's necessary for your life. There's nothing more important in a disciple's life than to sit and be with Jesus. But like I said earlier, it would be wrong for us to leave this morning and think, okay, preacher just said I'm supposed to get in the word more this week. He said 30 minutes a day and I can be done with this in six months. That is not what I'm saying. That is not my encouragement to you this morning. 
We don't struggle with being in his word because we have a bad reading plan or because we're just lazy. Those might play a factor into it, but the real reason that we struggle being in the word is because our view of Jesus has been diminished because of all the distractions and things surrounding us. All the pressing needs around you has shrunk Jesus in your mind and in your heart. And it's allowed you to push him aside and say, you can wait till later when I have free time. We become so accustomed and comfortable with the distractions that drag our attention away from Jesus that we are deeply affected when we approach the word of God. Because the reality in which we live, everything that we do comes with a, here's what you need to do to get done. Here's the task. Here's how you know you completed it. Here's how you know you've done it well. That's everything in our life. And so that's how we begin to approach the word. Whether it's through personal time in the word, a Bible study we're a part of, sitting under the preaching of God's word on Sunday morning. We approach the Bible with, God, just tell me what to do. Tell me how to measure that I've done it well. Just tell me the action steps I need to take and we're good. And Jesus says, that's, that's not what you need. If anything, any action steps you could take lead you to hell because you can't do this on your own. Our posture instead should be to open the word of God and desire to see Jesus more clearly than we did the day before. It's to be reminded of who he is and what he's done. Every time we open the word of God, we should be praying that the spirit would reveal Jesus to us in a way that reorients our desires to what's right. In a way that renews our passions to see Christ exalted in every aspect of our lives. In a way that refreshes your soul from all the distractions and pressing weight of the things around you. And in a way that helps you to fight the pull of those distractions to say, Jesus is necessary. Those things can wait. To approach the word in a way that recognizes that Jesus is the good portion that we need. And we pray that that would propel us into action for Jesus. You see, by approaching the Bible in this way, serving wouldn't be a distraction anymore. It would be a humble response of a restful soul that's found peace in the word of Jesus, words of Jesus. We need to turn the news channels off, log out of our social media accounts, put our phones away, take off your smartwatch, and just sit and be with Jesus. We're called to choose the good portion as Mary did. Mary had chosen the good portion. The language of portion is an echo of the Old Testament scriptures where portion was used as a term to show closeness with God. And this is why Jesus says Mary's chosen the good portion. She chose to prioritize being with Jesus and soaking in his wisdom. She didn't just choose to sit and listen to Jesus. She sat to listen to Jesus because she knew in listening to Jesus, she was actually getting Jesus. She's chosen closeness with God. Sitting at his feet and listening to Jesus wasn't beneficial just because it was a good sermon. No doubt it was an amazing sermon. But it was good because it was Jesus speaking. Jesus is saying, you've chosen the good portion, Mary, because you're choosing me. 
It was a necessity. It was primary because Jesus was the one speaking these life-giving words to everyone in the room. When Jesus speaks, you listen. And for those asking why, it's because he's Jesus. He's the one through whom all things were made. The one who is before all things. He is the head of the church. He himself called you out of your sin and into the light of the Father. He himself is the mercy of God. He is your advocate before the Father. He is your righteousness. He is the propitiation for your sins. Not at the least of which, he's the radiance of the glory of God, the exact image of God. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. And it's through Jesus that we can hear God speak. That should be somebody you want to listen to. That should be somebody you would jump to the front row to hear from. Why would we ever be too busy to sit and listen to this Jesus? We need his words because we need him. I love how many kids there are in, in the service. Praise God, but like, this is amazing. Kids, let me say a word to you. Jesus, God wants you to know that he loves you. God wants you to know that you were made in his image. And he tells you all the things you need to know about him in his word. He, he gifted you a present and it's called your Bible. You should read your Bible, kids. Ask your parents to read your Bible to you. God talks to you through his word, through his word in the Bible. But let me tell you something else. You need to know that whatever it is, whenever you see your parents reading their Bible, whatever you need can wait. Unless somebody's bleeding, I'll throw that caveat in there. If somebody's bleeding, please, please interrupt. But whatever you need, it can wait, kids, because your parents need Jesus. Your parents need Jesus even more than you need Jesus. Ask them what they're reading in their Bible. Ask them to explain it to you. Ask them to read it to you. But whatever you need, help mom and dad be in the Bible. Don't interrupt them. When they spend time with Jesus, kids, it's actually one way they're showing you that they love you. Because them being with Jesus helps them to show you Jesus. Encourage them, kids, when they read their Bible. Christian, we all need Jesus' words because we all need Jesus. I don't think anybody in this room would doubt that. If you call yourself a believer, you would claim, I need Jesus. You can't proclaim you need Jesus in order to be made right before God, only to neglect him daily when he's trying to speak to you. You can't, as Martha did, welcome him in and then say, you can wait, I'll deal with you later. In John chapter six, after saying some really hard things and seeing some of the disciples turn back and no longer want to walk with Jesus, Jesus turns to the 12 and basically says, do you want to go as well? Do you, do you want to follow after them? And listen to what Simon Peter says to Jesus. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. And then listen to how Jesus prays in John chapter 17. This is eternal life, 
that they know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Eternal life is knowing God. And to know Jesus is to know God. If through faith and repentance of your sin you know Jesus this, this morning, then may your soul find comfort in knowing that you have eternal life. Mary, desiring to sit at the feet of Jesus and hear the sweet words of his teaching that would bring a sweet relief to her soul was soaking in the words of eternal life. And every time you open the word of God, you have that promise too. And she knew, as you should know if you're a Christian, that that life would not be taken from her. Nothing will take that life from her. And this is a promise that our text leaves us with. Something that we as believers can cling to and rest in. In verse 42, Jesus says, but the one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Jesus leaves with this promise that Jesus is hers. And she is Jesus. Jesus will not be taken from her. All, the, all of God's promises come to a reality in Christ Jesus and they will not be taken away from Mary and they won't be taken away from you either. If you are a follower of Jesus, the promises of God will not be taken away from you in Christ Jesus. In John chapter 10, Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Are you listening to this Jesus? Are you following this Jesus? Could those around you characterize you as somebody who just longs to sit at the feet of Jesus? There is nothing that will separate you from the love of God. You are the Lord's and the Lord is yours. Scripture tells us. Just like in your life, distractions pulled Martha away from Jesus and gave birth to anxiety, trouble, anger, and bitterness. Mary's attention was set on the teaching of Jesus, and she felt peace and rest, blessedness and life. And some of you in here, brothers and sisters in Christ, may feel like Martha probably felt after she heard Martha, Martha. Maybe you realize you've been too distracted. Maybe you realize that in your attempts to get things done, you've pushed Jesus away and said, I'll deal with you later. Maybe you're thinking, I've, I felt anxious. I felt trouble about many things. I need to see Jesus better. I want to sit at his feet and listen to his teaching. To you, Jesus would say, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Brothers and sisters in Christ, prioritize sitting at the feet of Jesus and soaking in the sweet words of eternal life that he has to say. Because it's necessary for us to pick the good portion 
that will strengthen us to press on day after day after day until we see him face to face. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for your word. We do thank you for your goodness towards us by the fact that you are a God who still speaks to your people. We do ask for forgiveness for those times that we have pushed you aside to deal with other things that we have thought have been more important and more necessary. But God, we thank you for the promise of knowing that if we confess those sins, you're faithful to forgive us of those. And so we ask that your spirit this week would work in us a longing and a desire to know you more. That your spirit would work in us a desire to to open our Bibles and take up and read and to hear the life-giving words that you have to speak to us. And we thank you for Jesus in whom we have hope and peace and strength and joy. And so we pray all of this in his name. Amen.